Good morning, everyone. Wow, what a great job by our uh, team today, our worship team. That was awesome, bringing us into the joy of the Lord. I noticed there was a challenge, la, 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 la. You guys did okay. Next week, we're going to move to oh, 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 oh. And then we'll go from there, see how you do. Wow. Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you back and around. And I really do look forward to this day each and every week just to see your faces and check in on you and see how you're doing. And I know it sounds like a couple of us had a, a few challenging moments this week, but it's been good. Lord was there, right? You can see him in those moments. I pray you did. And we all have our challenges, but like our series has been telling us, if we stay close to the Lord, um, you know, and abide in Him, fruit comes from that. And uh, we're going to talk about one of those part of the fruit today, uh, and that being joy. And we sang about joy today. So yeah, I want to thank everybody for coming today and all those that will be watching later online, of course. And I also want to thank uh, those that came to our vision meeting this week. Uh, ladies were here on Tuesday. Um, way to knock it out of the park, ladies. You had a good turnout for that. Uh, and then our men did pretty good too. And we really just threw out a challenge of Bible study for the fall. I did a little, uh, Tamala did for the ladies, and I did a, a little bit with the men. And we're really going to dig in a little bit this fall and really find out what the Lord wants us to do uh, in regarding to Bible studies. So we'll be letting you know what that's going to look like here in the next week or so. Uh, but it's been really good hearing your heart and what you're desiring. And if I was to sum up the whole thing in one kind of a sentence, uh, it was really, we just want to hear from the Lord. And I thought that was pretty awesome. You know, that was the message I'm getting from everybody. We just want him to teach us. We want to grow in him. Uh, I don't care how long you've been a Christian or how long you've been in the word or maybe it was you started today or yesterday, uh, but there's always room to grow in the Lord. Uh, our Bibles are so deep with uh, the, the, his word and how deep it is that it's called a living word, right? It's alive. It's, it's breathing as we uh, even go through it today. So I uh, just wanted to thank everybody for coming out for that. Uh, this is our final week uh, in the Staying Close series. Um, I'm sure you're wondering, how many weeks can this guy go on with John 15? <laughs> but it's, uh, it's been really good for me. So you're just kind of like along for the ride in this whole thing. So last week we uh, learned about um, if we stay close to him, that he will answer our desires through prayer. But if you remember how we walk through that, um, our desires have to be his desires in order for that to really come true. And, uh, but it is part of the abiding. The, more cl the closer we are to him, the more we know what he wants. And then when we go, he's free to uh, answer any of our prayers. And uh, I think that's comforting. Uh, this week we're going to be um, learning about another byproduct of abiding or staying close, and that is joy. Um, let's open our Bibles up to John 15. I'm going to start in verse 9 today, uh, encouraging you all to have a Bible, of course. And uh, this week when we met as uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, everybody kept asking me, 
what, what version of the Bible, what Bible should I have? And uh, I always like giving the answer, the red one. And everybody goes, what do you mean the red one? I, your, your Bible's not red, it's brown. No, it's the one that you will read, the red one. So if you have a Bible and still have questions about, if you have a good version, you know, there are some that are better than others. Um, but really, that's the goal. Read your Bibles. Just get in the Word, abide in the Word. Um, so John 15, starting in verse 9, says this. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So, let's pray. I'm hoping that Jesus will answer that phone. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that we can be real with you. Thank you that we can just come to you freely. And because of uh, what your son has done, we can have a relationship with you and speak with you just as we are now. I pray, Lord, that you... Um, you will speak. You will speak through your word today. May your spirit bring it alive. May your spirit speak to us directly and um, really challenge us today the, to carry out uh, what you want us to do. There is joy in relationship with you today, Lord, and every day. And we're just looking for that today. Help us find that. Help us understand what it really is. In Jesus' name, amen. So, do you ever have trouble being joyful all the time? <laughs> of course you do. Uh, do you know anyone that seems to be joyful no matter what? You know those people that every time you, you, it seems like you encounter them, they could be going through the worst thing in the whole wide world and they're just as joyful as all get out. You ever meet those people? Um, do you ever ask them how they do it? You know, you ever wonder how they do it? Because they're out there. They're real. I hope it's you. Um, do you wish you could be like them? I know I do. I, in every moment and every day. Um, do, you, do you think of Jesus as a joyful person? Just think about that for a minute. Do you think of him as like a joyful person? I do too. I do. You know, this week was good to kind of walk through these scriptures and kind of think about that a little bit. Um, he's probably the most joyful person that ever walked the earth. And, uh, and think about that in light of things like nobody wanted him in their town. Everybody persecuted him. They wanted him dead. Actually, they ended up taking him to a cross, nailing him to it after a horrible beating and all the things he had to go through on our behalf. But yet he was the most joyful person that's ever lived. I'm sure he had his moments. But he, and, and this is the cool part about the scripture, we're going we're gonna to look at it today and we're going to realize how he did it. Um, so, 
Both joy and happiness are in the Bible, right? We see the words. We see joy and we see happiness. Um, Sometimes they appear interchangeable, and they are. You can kind of, the translators through the different Greek and the Hebrew words, they have come up with joy as a translation and happiness. But they're not exactly the same. Uh, they're used a little differently and, and from time to time. Um, my, I dug out my um, Bible dictionary this week and I got the definition for joy and I want to read that to you. It says, a quality or attitude of delight of, and happiness, which is ultimately grounded in the work of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then it says, among the many situations which joys experience, Scripture recognizes as supreme is being accepted in the presence of God. So when you see joy in the Bible, you can almost attach it to when you see people joyful, and the, the true meaning of the word joy is that they understand and know that they are in the presence of God. Pretty interesting thing. Um, happiness, however, is a, a little bit different. It says it's a state of pleasure or joy experienced both by people, and we even see God experience happiness. It's translated happiness, but subject to change according to circumstances. So you've heard that maybe before that, you know, joy uh, is defined that way, and then happiness is defined that way, and almost always. Happiness is defined um, based on circumstances or the things going around us. So according to this, these definitions, like happiness comes and goes based on our circumstances. And we know that. But what about joy? Is joy rooted in being, ex- uh, if it is rooted in being accepted in the presence of God, then does it fluctuate as well? Because it was one of the Questions I ask you, do you you always feel joyful all the time? Uh, Can a person lose their joy is a question that we must think. When we go through our Bibles, I hope you're that way, that when you read something that you're challenged by it and then you ask yourself these little questions along the way. So can a person lose their joy? Well, yeah, I agree. I, I believe you can. And here's why. Jesus would have never said these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you if it was always in there. If it always stayed, if it always, if it always abided in us, his joy abided in us all the time, he would have never given us some things to realize or to understand how to keep it in us and how it can remain in us. So it can. Apparently it can go up and down and it can go away. But does joy come and go because we are accepted one day by God and then not the next? I don't think so. Um, No, that would make God inconsistent, wouldn't it? It would make him um, not what the Bible says of him. The Bible speaks of him as an unchanging God. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So it can't be the the changing and the fluctuation cannot be because of God on his end. So it must be something to do with us. Um, The reason that Jesus was speaking these words was that his joy may remain or to stay. Uh, You ever heard the expression, a person pursues happiness but chooses joy? 
I think there's a lot of truth in that. We pursue happiness. We pursue it. I mean, the word pursuit, you know, is like it never ends, right? When you pursue something, it just continually goes. Uh, we pursue happiness, but we choose joy. Um, let's take a look at some biblical examples of both of these, happiness and joy, if we would. Um, if you're familiar with uh, King Solomon, he was David's son. He came uh, into the kingdom after David reigned. It was his son. He was anointed by David and brought into to rule the kingdom. He, he ruled in an unusual time in Jerusalem's history and Israel's history is because there was a lot of good going on when Solomon was king. He had the ability to um, bring peace in with other countries around. He made a lot of treaties. He did a lot of good things. He, was, he asked for wisdom. He got that from the Lord. Uh, but there was a lot of really good stuff going on when Solomon was king. Um, but in all of his wisdom, there was a period in his life when he pursued pleasure with the hope of finding joy. I thought that was pretty interesting just uh, knocking through this this week. So let's look at the outcome of his pursuit um, this week. We're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, but I don't know about you, when you read Ecclesiastes, I get confused in that book. Um, it's like telling, it, it's like when you read it, there's some things that it sounds like, well, man, is this okay to do? <laughs> it, it, but please remember, when you're going through the Bible, the Bible is an honest look at mankind as much as it is a revealing of God's character. So God tells the true story of both him and his, his people through the Bible, all the way through. So what we see here is in Ecclesiastes is more about not what to do, but it's more of a what not to do kind of a thing. So let's, if you can track with that through this thing, you'll, you'll, you'll benefit from it. Uh, Solomon had pursued the intellectual route previously before going into this next phase of his life. You know, he was known for his wisdom. He he was able to hang with some of the smartest guys on the planet, that kind of a thing, but he didn't have any joy. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to try a different way. So let's look at Ecclesiastes 2, starting in verse 1. We're going to kind of walk through a few verses, so hang with me here. It says, I said in my heart, this is Solomon, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely this also was vanity. Notice Solomon is speaking to his heart. Uh, this is where the wellspring of life flows from, right? So he's speaking to himself and saying, come now, I will test you with mirth. That word mirth there, I don't know what your version says, but it really is another word for joy. So he's going to test it and he's going to try to find joy is what he's saying. But his conclusion, in which we'll find out at the end, he says it's a vapor. It's but a breath. Um, it's nothing is his result or his findings here. But let's go through this with him and see how he came about this conclusion. He said, I had said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? Um, even the simple thing of laughing, uh, Solomon sees that there is no long-lasting in joy. It may, uh, in that pursuit of laughter, you know, like you ever go through a hard time in your life and you just kind of laugh it off? 
and you just kind of find some other thing to distract yourself with, right? Because we just, we don't want to really kind of focus in on that bad thing, so we go and hang with people that can make us happy and make us laugh. But he found out that that was something that was fleeting as well. It just was here for a moment. He said, I searched in my heart, verse 3, how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold, hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. You know, it's, it's cool about Solomon. He wanted to lead the people. That was why he asked for um, his wisdom, and God gave it to him so he could lead. But part of his pursuit was so he could lead people well. But whenever he uses the under the heaven or under the sun, what he's talking about there is this life. So when he says, I, 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 to see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives, he means under the sun, under the heavens, in this life. He said, I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all those, all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my labor. Um, Solomon's uh, pursuits did produce happiness. And that's what he's talking about here when he says, for my heart rejoiced for all my labor. Um, there are things that make us happy, and God has given us those things to make us happy. And he's admitting that. However, he states that his happiness for his reward was, his happiness was the reward for his pursuits. See, he doesn't get joy yet. The happiness was the reward for his pursuits. But his reward was short-lived. Verse 11, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. His conclusion after this pursuit, <laughs> he had not found any lasting satisfaction in anything that he did. Look at all the things that Solomon had. He had... I mean, America, we get a lot of cool stuff, and there's a lot of stuff that can bring us happiness. And Solomon, in his day, was the equivalent. He, there wasn't anything he couldn't test or try, didn't have the money to do. You know, he did all these things. But yet, happiness was all he got out of them. But it was short-lived. It didn't last. Note the word pursue there. Um, when we pursue happiness will always be pursuing happiness. That's the difference between happiness and joy. We'll find that out. 
Um, Solomon's findings can be a great advantage um, to us today. Um, I hope you, when you read your Bibles, like we said, you learn as much about what to do as you learn about what not to do. He would save you a lot, you and me a lot of time if we would read what Solomon says here and take it to heart. In other words, pursuing all these things, if we're looking for joy, we're not going to find it. We may get some happiness out of it, but we're not going to find long-lasting joy. Is it possible then that joy is to be found somewhere else, above the sun? Think about that for a second. If we, there is joy to be found, but it's not under the heavens, it's above in the heavens. Uh, born in 1903, Malcolm uh, Muggeridge has become one of the most notable figures of his time in the 20th century. Uh, he's a well-known author, journalist, media personality. In his later years, he was an outstanding voice for Christianity. And he says this, I can say that I never knew what joy was until I gave up pursuing happiness or care to live until I chose to die. For these two discoveries... I am beholden to Jesus, or he holds all to Jesus. So hear what he's saying today. This is a man of which many of us have probably been down this path or are in the middle of this journey, the Solomon journey of pursuing joy and all these other things. And he says, oh, I've basically come to the end of my rope and realized that when I was done pursuing happiness, I found joy. And then when I, I learned that I made a choice to die, that's when I began to finally live. So what if joy is not, a, you know, our joy doesn't happen because of worldly pleasures? We're probably figuring that out through Solomon this morning. But what if it's in accordance to God's principles? What if we were to find joy in what God lays down in his principles, in his laws, in his commandments? What if, what if that's where joy is really found? Just about every time Jesus spoke, he, uh, he always left his hearers like scratching their heads. You know, they had been hearing from scribes and from religious leaders and trying to keep them according to the law, which was good. But they were hypocrites, Jesus said, and just weren't even doing them themselves. And then Jesus hits the scene, and he begins to say things that seemed to be so counter-cultural that it almost had to have been super shocking. And it's probably shocking to you and me today, even. So um, his sermon that we have labeled the Sermon on the Mount is one of the... It, I love this sermon, uh, because every time I read it, it's shocking. <laughs> it's so counter-cultural, it is so awesome. So let's read some of the things that he says uh, and examine his teachings in light of Solomon's pursuits. Kind of balance the two, and, and, and let's look at a few of them. So Matthew 5 is where we see that uh, sermon, uh, at least the the. Matthew's account of it is probably the most thorough. But um, starting in verse 3, it says this. Blessed are the poor 
in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now I think about a great deal of the multitudes that were following Jesus, probably when he gave this sermon on the mountain. In fact, that's why he's there so everybody can hear him. There's probably thousands of people there. Poor was a word that they knew. Um, Roman culture had kind of suppressed the Jews and the Gentiles both and it was all about authority and they were the ones that had all the good things and the people had barely anything at all. So poor they understood. But Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit for for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is enjoying, whenever you see that word blessed, it actually means happy. Translated into our English means happy. So you could say happy are the poor in spirit. Uh, all true blessings, though, come from God. We know that. Uh, to be blessed is, have, is to have the favor of God, whenever you see that used. You may use that in your everyday language when you, it's very, you know, very probably odd if you would ever be angry at somebody and say, blessed, my friend, blessed, my sister, blessed, when you're very angry at them. It always carries the idea that God is, has favor on our lives. Um, remember the definition of joy I gave you real quick out of the um, Bible dictionary? It talks about Scripture recognizes as supreme being accepted in the presence of of God, and that's what I believe Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Those who are poor in spirit are those who are spiritually bankrupt and know it. There's the difference. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He probably talked to every person that day when he was giving this sermon, and every single one of them was bankrupt, poor in spirit, for the most part. But there were there those that knew it and those that didn't. And he's saying they are the ones that acknowledge they are spiritually dead. I like thinking of it as we all at one point in our lives need spiritual CPR. We need to have the dead spirit brought to life. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And this is where joy comes from. Because he says these are the ones that will... Um, they'll see the kingdom of heaven. And think about that. Is there anything more joyous than thinking about the kingdom of heaven? But in order to get there, we have to understand where we are. We're all bankrupt. We all need our spirit um, brought to life once again. This is why Solomon was unable to find it under the sun because joy is found above the sun. No earthly pursuit will ever allow us to find real joy. Let's go more about um, above the sun joy here. Let's look at some. Blessed are those who mourn. That's always an oxymoron for me when you think about that. Blessed are those who mourn. Happy are those who mourn. He says they will be comforted. This is a mourning over sin, though. This is where Jesus is really kind of showing us where real true joy comes from. First of all, our spirit needs to be brought alive. We have to understand that we're bankrupt, that we've humbled ourselves and come to him. But then the next step in that whole thing is that we mourn over sin. 
not only our sin, but sin in the world. I hope when you look out over humanity as you interact with the world that when you see sin, I, I pray you mourn over it. If you do, it's part of your spirit being alive. It should bother you and me that the, there's so much sin in our lives, but also in the lives of others. But this does um, bring comfort. And you say, well, how does that bring comfort, knowing that the world is full of sin? Well, because Jesus has dealt with that. Uh, Jesus dealt with the penalty that comes from us being uh, sinners, right? We just repent and, uh, re and ask him for forgiveness, and he's willing to give us that uh, forgiveness. That should bring us comfort and joy. That's how we get comforted, through mourning over our sin. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek are those who understand their position under the sun. It's uh, interesting, meek isn't a weak thing, right? Meek is a humble thing. So when we understand that we aren't God's gift to humanity, when we finally get that figured out, we realize that God is supreme overall, uh, it says that uh, we shall inherit the earth. The meek are not weak, they're humble, their joy is in their future uh, inheritance above the sun. And see again, we keep seeing everything is, uh, our joy is coming from above the sun. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Uh, those uh, who hunger and thirst for righteousness in their own lives uh, under the sun will find their joy in the pursuit of that. If you want to pursue anything, you pursue joy, like we saw how you pursued happiness and it kind of come and goes. But if you want to pursue something, pursue righteousness, the Lord says, and that's where you will find your joy. Um, the, and then it says, for they shall be filled one day and that righteousness will be completely filled in you and me the day that Jesus returns and we are like him. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Um, God shows mercy, right? He shows mercy to every single human being uh, in light of our sinfulness. In and out of that self, it should uh, bring us joy. Just knowing that God's working with us as sinners. Um, but he's merciful for everybody under the sun. He's merciful to them, to us all. Um, but remember, um, it will also provide future mercy as we interact with this world. And what I mean by that is that uh, remember the judgment seat of Christ. That is um, a time that all believers will sit before our Lord and not receive wrath, but he will judge us based on our time here on earth and what we did with our time and how we used our time under the sun. So that he will show us mercy on that day is his promise as well. But he will judge us during that time. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Joy comes from having a pure and a clean heart. Um, a person who, um, who has clean motives and clean thoughts is what he's talking about here. In other words, you operate under a clean conscience each and every day. And it, because you're being accepted and you can be accepted in the presence of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Um, peacemakers are not peacekeepers. Uh, there's a difference there, right? 
Peacemakers step into situations and help bring peace under the sun. There's a great joy in striving to bring peace, not just keeping the peace. Huge difference if you think about that. Um, and even greater joy being called a son and a daughter of God. Uh, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, joy comes for being persecuted? Doesn't make sense. Remember I told you, even today, these things make me kind of think through them. They must have made everybody, the day that Jesus said these things, uh, kind of turn their heads as well. But there is a joy from being persecuted under the sun. Uh, yes, there sure is, for as long as it is, for the sake of righteousness. Uh, just because you have the Jesus sticker and you drive like a maniac on I-75 cutting everybody off, you may get persecuted. But that's not for righteousness' sake, and I think we know the difference there, right? It has to be for righteousness' sake. Um, joy comes under the sun with the promise of future life above the sun. He says that a couple of times with the idea of the kingdom of heaven. And then finally it says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Um, you know, being scorned or persecuted at our family gatherings and workplaces because we stand up for Jesus or that we proclaim Jesus is never fun, is it? It's, it's never, never seems to be joyful. However, like many of those who have been killed and tortured over the years and today even for their stand for Christ, joy is in knowing that they are being persecuted for his sake. And it sounds really strange, but when you are first rejected as a Christian in your workplaces, in your family, and out in your community, it's hard in the beginning. But this is a, a, a thing that really flipped the switch for me. Wait a minute. They aren't mad at me. They're mad at Jesus. And Jesus can take it. I can't take it. I don't like it. But that really flips the switch for you and I when we realize that being persecuted for his name's sake, it just makes, all of a sudden, it just makes me a lot more bolder. I don't know about you. But I know once, and if you can do this same thing, that the joy comes in, they're not mad at me. Don't take it personal. They're mad at him and he can take it. Um, so where does true joy come from? We kind of saw a contrast, Solomon's happiness, but then Jesus preaching on where real joy comes from. Um, earlier I mentioned the catchphrase, a person pursues happiness but chooses joy. We can pursue happiness our entire life and never find true joy. Solomon lived it. You may be living it right now. It is not uncommon that I hear stories all throughout my week, all throughout the month, the year, of unhappy people, and you ask them in what they are engaged in, what are you pursuing, and it is this, it is happiness. They're trying to fill it with so many other things other than above the sun joy. And uh, I hope that if you haven't realized this already that today 
the Lord is speaking to you. Joy, however, is ultimately grounded in the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know that. Joy is a choice. We can continue our happiness under the Son or choose Christ. True joy is found above the Son. I've been saying that, and I'm going to say that over and over today. Because uh, in my studies today, or this week, uh, reviewing with Solomon, I had to read that so many times. And actually, when you talk about mourning over sin, I, there's a period of my life I can look back at, and I was pursuing happiness uh, through all those things. And they didn't do it. They didn't bring it. So how, then, do we keep our joy? Well, Jesus knew we were going to ask, so let's uh, review these scriptures again. Uh, John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. Remember in our um, studies um, when we started this series about staying close in John 15, we said that he was the vine and that we are the branches and that if we were going to produce any kind of fruit at all that was anything good, we were going to have to stay attached to the vine. Uh, and then we realized through that study and that early on that we can do really nothing without him. We need him in everything we do. So if you find yourself without joy that the Bible talks about, it's probably because you haven't looked above the sun. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad here today or make you feel sad. I'm trying to help you. If you do not have joy, it's because you have not looked to the sun, S-O-N. Uh, we're looking for joy in all the wrong places. And I couldn't help thinking about that country western song when I was saying this this week. And I'm thinking about it now. So go, leave me, Satan, go. Isn't that hard when you get a jingle in your head or a song like that? It just sticks. Let's read Paul's words to those who have looked above the sun. Romans 8, 9 says this. You are not in the flesh. He's talking to believers. But in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. The beginning of life under the sun, this is it. This is it. We need to look above the sun to the sun. Um, how do you do this? We come humbly. We come humbly before him. We... We realize our position in this earth. We understand that he is an awesome and mighty God. We go to him. We turn and ask for forgiveness of sin. Then we turn from our sin. We know this. The Bible says that when we do that, his spirit comes inside us to dwell in us. That is like amazing to me when you think about it. The creator of all the heavens and all the earth the all-existent one, the almighty one, comes for the very first time when we trust him and we put our faith in the Son. He comes inside of us to dwell and to live. The Bible says he does not come to live in uh, tabernacles built with the hands of men, but he comes to live in us. And if that doesn't bring you joy this morning, 
Check your pulse, because when the Lord comes in us, the joy is there forever. Now, we said that earlier, my, my joy, it can come and go. I kind of, hmm, but he lives inside of me forever. Let's look at why. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Remember that when we talked about Galatians 5, starting verse 22? Um, I'll just recite that. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and So if you do not have joy, the first step is to have the Spirit of God come and live inside of you. And if you're not yet given your life to Christ, forget everything else I'm saying today and take time to do that. You can do that right in your seat. In fact, that's how I came to know Christ. I came to know Christ right in the middle of a worship gathering. And I just didn't hear anything after that. And so I'm giving you freedom today. If you do not know Jesus, just bow your head humbly, go to him, ask him for forgiveness, and he will forgive you and you can receive his spirit for the very first time. So back to us that have this wavering joy. It seems like it comes and goes. In 15.9, Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. Does it mess with your head when somebody tells you Jesus loves you? That really, like, if you're willing to not just take it as a phrase, Jesus loves you, but if you're actually just think about that for a moment, do you get joyful? Does it bring real joy? None, none of the things in this world can bring any more joy than knowing that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you in the same manner the scripture says, says that God loved him. What? Jesus loves me in the same manner that God loved him. There's no way. No way that can happen. Sinful, unrepentant me? Hmm. Knowing that we are loved by Jesus should override any circumstance in our life. We've all got stuff going on. Maybe this week. We've all got stuff going on. If you, in fact, if you don't have an ugly circumstance in your life, wait. It's coming. It'll come. And we know that. So how do we handle it? Joy. Joy gets us through these. Unexplainable joy comes over us when this truth penetrates our heart. No matter what happens, Jesus loves me. I know it sounds way too simple, but if you let that sink into your heart and come out in your life, it will change how you react to all the circumstances in your life. Our joy wavers because we waver from the fact that God loves us. We forget. We forget that God loves us. It's like we have some kind of a spiritual amnesia. We all of a sudden forget that, wow, God does love me. And you say, well, how do we know? Well, one of the most famous verses of all time, for God so loved the world, right? John 3.16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes him should not perish but have everlasting life. God just didn't talk about love. I think we can do that a little too often, right? 
I love you, man. <laughs> I, I love you. But real love requires action. And what was the action in John 3.16? He gave. He gave up his son for you and for me. He took action. He loved us even when we were in our fallen and broken condition. Uh, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get cleaned up, did he? He didn't wait for us to get all cleaned up before we could come to him. He sent his son because we needed cleaning up. And that's why he came. This should bring us great joy this morning, if nothing else, that he came knowing that we were in need of his love. John 5.10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. This is our kind of our key for our fluctuating um, joy. Not only do we forget that God loves us and that kind of fades from our brains and our hearts throughout the days and weeks, but here's the other aspect that if, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus was in deep communion with the Father. Jesus depended on the Father for everything. All throughout the Bible, any prayer that you see recorded of Jesus, he's always talking to the Father and asking him what to do. And you said, well, wait a second, isn't Jesus and the Spirit and God all one? And why do they, well, there is a hierarchy in that whole thing, and you can see that throughout the Bible. And we have God the Father and Jesus the Son. But Jesus goes to the Father. He's in deep communion. Remember how we talked last week that we need to be in that deep communion so that when we pray, our prayers are answered because our desires are the same. That's why Jesus never acted on his own. That's why everything he did was holy and righteous. Jesus was obedient to the Father even unto death. And uh, Jesus pleased the Father. Uh, Jesus was speaking to a Jews Jewish crowd one day um, and explained the deep communion that he had with the Father. In 519, he says this of John, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Jesus obeyed the Father by keeping every single commandment from the Father. So, is God's love then dependent on us keeping the commandments? No. He loves us. But if we want joy to abide in us, we need to keep the commandments. Do you see the difference? God still loves us no matter if we are sinners or not. Doesn't mean he's always pleased with us. But this is what he says, if you want my joy to remain in me, then keep the commandments as I have kept the commandments of the Father. We're doing no, nothing more that Jesus himself wouldn't do. <laughs> think about that for a second. It's pretty mind-blowing when you think about it. Jesus is just asking us to do what he did. If we did believe that our love, his love fluctuated, then Romans 5.8 wouldn't be true, right? 
um, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then that wouldn't be true if his love fluctuated for us, but it doesn't. But our joy is totally dependent on our obedience to him. That's why our, waver, our, our joy can waver from time to time, right? Is because we have a tendency to be disobedient. Uh, disobedience brings with it guilt and shame. And uh, we know this. Uh, remember Adam and Eve in the garden, the uh, very first time mankind sinned, right? Um, Adam speaks to God. And listen, um, listen to what Adam says to God right after he is disobedient to God. He says this. I heard your voice in the garden, Adam speaking to God, and I was afraid because I was naked. Naked means to be shameful. And I hid myself. Disobedience to the commands of God will not bring joy. Do you see any joy in Adam's life in that one verse? Now, shame, sorrow, I think the scriptures is teaching us this morning that there's where our joy fluctuates when we are disobedient. And when we're obedient, it's free. There, we can stand in the presence of Almighty God, and that is how our, the biblical joy has been explained uh, to us this morning. And think about that. If Adam could have stood in front of God sinless, there would have been no reason for him to be afraid. No reason for him to hide himself. But he did because he had sinned. He had disobeyed. Jesus tells us these things, remember, so that his joy will remain in us and that our joy may be full. Um, that word full there means to cause to happen or to fulfill with a purpose. And that purpose is that we have the same non-interrupting joy that Jesus had with the Father because he was constantly obedient to the Father. And that's why we fluctuate. God's commandments in this life are to bring us joy. But yet we all treat those commandments as something that is a burden and something that's going to suck the life out of us if, if we listen to that commandment. And it's actually the opposite God's commandments are there to bring us joy. Listen to what the psalmist says here in Psalm 1. Blessed, there's our word again, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Our joy remains when we remain in Jesus and we and keep his commandments. Um, when we really get a handle on how much God loves us and, and we show him by how much we love him by keeping his commandments, I think that's just, that's the definition of joy for me. And the only reason I can say that is because I've been on the other side of this coin. Maybe you have too. Where you just did what you wanted to do and not obeyed the commandments. 
But when you truly fall into those, realize how much he loves you, you want to keep his commandments. 1 John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. It's how we show him we love him. And his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus says, he tells us these things, right? This is kind of wrap things up today as we conclude, that his joy will remain in us. His joy will remain in us if we're willing to keep his commandments and remember that he loves us and that our joy may be full. So Dave's going to kind of come up and play, and we've been doing this for several weeks now, and I'm going to continue to do this. I'm just going to take some time as a church, as together, and pray together. But I want you to think about some, time, some things. Maybe you realize that you've never have experienced true joy what the Bible speaks about. But maybe you desire to have it. And it's something you can have. You just have to ask for it. That's the only thing about joy this, not the only thing, but it's the thing about joy that's so awesome. You just have to ask God for it. You can do it like we always say each and every week, and it's what the Bible teaches, that when we humble ourselves before a holy God, we can just admit that we're sinners and we, we, need, uh, we need to confess that to him. We know what we sin, and we just have to ask him to forgive us of our sin. And he's ready to hear you. So if that's you today... Do not delay. Let him hear you. Maybe you're here today and you really realize that now you know why your joy has been coming and going. Maybe you've experienced joy in the past because you are his and because you know him. His spirit lives inside of you, but it's been a long time since you've experienced joy. Well, confess where you've been disobedient. Confess when you've kind of forgotten all about how much he loves you. Confess that to him in our time together today. He's ready to hear that today as well. Jesus wants us to have his joy, and he wants his joy to remain, and he wants our joy to be full. But we learned today that the only way we're going to find that is not below the sun, but above the sun and through the Son. Let's take a few minutes, pray, think about what he said, and I'll come back and we'll close the gathering in prayer together. But let's, uh, let's be in his joy as we pray today, okay? Let's pray. God, just uh, we come to you today seeking joy. 
just learned a little bit today about why we lack in joy and why we have um, so much dead fruit in pursuing happiness, Lord. Thank you for the reminder that joy only comes from you, through your spirit, through your son. Help us, Lord. Circumstances in this life are, are rough, they're hard, they're difficult. But they should never take away our joy. Happiness, maybe. But never our joy, Lord. That should be grounded in you. So help us remember that. Help us remember that your desire for us is to have your joy remain all throughout our days until you come. And you also want our joy to be full to the to the fullest extent that we can have it while we live here, Lord. That's your desire for us. That your, your joy is here with a purpose. Lord, there's plenty of things in this world to strip us of our joy. May we leave today knowing that you have given us true joy. May we lean on that. May we lean into that this week as the world so desperately is trying to remove it from us. We thank you for your words this morning, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I hope somehow, I know I'm not the most joyous presenter in the whole wide world. I know that about myself. I pray that somehow God has shown himself to you today. I really do. But there's a lot of tough stuff going on out there in the world when you leave these doors. But may his joy remain in you. Uh, if you want to bring a little joy to your life, you can join us at Holly Recreation after today's uh, service. We are going to baptize Hillary, who has professed Christ and is now wanting to follow in believers' baptism. So um, I know... There is probably no more joyous person in our church today than Hillary. Um, she walked in the door today and immediately was hugging everybody and high-fiving. And she was so excited about serving in the nursery today. And who does that, you know? I mean, come on. So if you would like to... Uh, <laughs> we do need more people. <laughs> we do need more joyous people in the nursery. So... Let's um, leave today having the joy of the Lord, but also if you want to join us out at Holly Rec, please do. Thank you. God bless you.